Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Manchester Football Social. Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman. See, it was half right because I'll be here tomorrow as well. But tonight it is Forever Blue. I'm Ian Cheeseman and alongside me is the city legend that is Paul Lake. Good evening, Ian. You all right? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Very well. Now, despite the disappointments of the draw against Wolves, it's, I suppose, overall, you, you, you can't be too disappointed with City's performance. I, after the game, I, I tweeted that I thought Wolves deserved their point and I got a few City fans saying, what are you talking about? What game did you see? And, of course, City probably are, are much better than virtually every team they play. So, when you say deserve, it's a qualified deserve. I thought uh, Wolves gave City a go, went for it, closed them down, had a few shots. Um, I thought the crowd was great. I thought the, the, the atmosphere behind the goal was particularly good. It was sort of Crystal Palace-type standard. And and afterwards, as, as much as I was disappointed, as I'm sure you were as well, only to see Titi come away with a point, I've got to say that I, I couldn't begrudge, really, Wolves getting theirs. I mean, obviously, there's the handball situation. At the time when I was watching their goal go in, I've got to be honest, I had a few City fans come up to me afterwards and say, ah, Martin Atkinson, the referee's against us. And I said, well, listen, I was sat there, I had a good view of it, I didn't notice it was handball. I then watched, uh, all right, on a little monitor in the press box, I saw a replay, and it didn't look like handball on that replay. I then got home at night, watched it on Match of the Day, and after I'd watched four replays, I thought, well, obviously, it was handball. Uh, but I couldn't have really blamed the referee. Uh, VAR, you can debate about, but I couldn't really have blamed the referee. So, so did Wolves deserve a point, do you think? I suppose, in a way, that you've, you've, you've quantified it. You can, you can see why... That would be the case. I mean, certainly they earned the right to play to begin with. Um, they they passed the ball well when they, when they, and they got into good areas. They they exploited uh, our players going forward. Okay, be it once or twice, Vinny. Uh, he made a, a poor pass, and you know that by his standards, it was a poor so pass. So uncharacteristic. It is because Vinny's been superb. He did it twice actually. Yeah, didn't he? yeah. And and again, you know, obviously that's also testament to how they pressed. And they had a, that that belief about going at City as well, and had some really good moments. And 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 to be fair, they could have had 
should have had a couple. Like you say, the first goal, we, we've all seen it, you know, in real time and didn't see the handball. So, you know, first fair and VAR would have, you know, cleared that one up, but that, that isn't the case. We, we created some really, really good chances as well. And that was the frustrating bit. Aside of, like we spoke before, didn't we, about hitting the woodwork several occasions. Yeah. You know, and again... Great save by the keeper yeah, from Raheem Sterling. That's right. And what a strike from Raheem as well. And he, he got over the ball and kept it down beautifully. But there were just moments in the gaming where, uh, for the last season, there was a lot more kind of, I suppose, benevolence in front of goal. Because the amount of times that Raheem Sterling has scored a five-yard tapping, you know, and, and that, that was seven, eight, nine goals last season. And there was times where we're into very good areas. And OK, it was a half chance and you take a half chance. But because of how we play, you know that if you square that ball, six yard box, Sergio's there, David Silva's there. There's players that are, that are chomping at the bit to, to, to score a tap in. And there was two or three occasions where we could have done that and didn't do that. I mean, Sergio was guilty of it on one occasion where actually it was a difficult one, but there was two players that were right close to him. Do when I think it was Bolly who just made a challenge in the last second? But if he squares that to Raheem, he's got an open goal. And the same with Gundogan's chance. Okay, on his left foot, it was early in the game, but even so, you know, if he controls that and passes it across the six-yard box in front of the uh, the centre-half, centre then Sergio's there, Dan's there to tap it in. So there's a frustration there because, you know, if we'd have been, you know, more... Uh, patient and, and used a bit more guile in front of goal, I think we would have beaten them and, and it would have been 2-3-1 but absolutely get why, why you're saying what you're saying because they, they got into good areas, created good chances and, and they, they, they played really good football and so I think lots of clubs, lots of um, fans as well across the Premier League are going to be surprised by the quality in Wolfside and I think their home base is going to be um, it's going to be tough to, for, for the top teams, for any teams to get a result there so it shows you that at this point in the season as well, three games under our belt. Now, it's, it's not it's not a case of deciding the title anywhere near now, but after nine, ten games, then you start to see those patterns develop and that's when you're going to see maybe one or two teams dropping off, i.e. your Watford to this world, no disrespect. And that's when you need to be thinking about keeping that two-point kind of gap between ourselves, Liverpool, Chelsea, United, maybe if they come back into the four. So lots to play for yet. Not too disappointed but obviously in the scheme of things when you're that that much better and create that many chances you feel frustrated you didn't take all three points it's interesting i saw a poll this this week by city watch who i present the podcast of and uh, they asked who was the player of the month for august there were four contenders and i personally went for bernardo silver in my little click uh, but i noticed that benjamin mendy was was leading the way how do you view his month because i'll declare that in that game at Wolves, there were times when I really was worried about him defensively. He looks awesome going forward, but defensively, I was a bit worried about him. Well, again, you know, that's 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 a key aspect of playing against City is the fact that... And, and again, that's also testament to our players and to Pep because it's just 1v1 situations, as you would do. But that's always the case of when the ball breaks down, you're in a good position to be able to manage it so, obviously, you're not going to go one-to-one -one with, say, Vinny and Salva in terms of pace, but in terms of positional sense, to be able to nick the ball, to block him using your body, to hold him up to get players behind you, that's when you then you do that. But you're right. Ironically, we had Benjamin Mendy going forward at, at every given opportunity, whereas because of how Bernardo was playing and he was hugging the touchline, there wasn't really any space for Kyle to get into. So he wasn't as effective on the right-hand side, which was quite interesting. And again, you know, the... 
as much as you get loads of quality with Bernardo Silva, and he keeps the ball well, great delivery, good passes, you know, in the six-yard line, breaks the lines beautifully. He doesn't get beyond people, really, does he? That's not his game. And when, when if you play that side well and double up, there's no space for Carl to play into. So not that he's redundant, but therefore he's having to come inside or having to almost almost do a Terry feeling overlap off the pitch to try and get on the ball. So again, that's testament to Wolves how they set up. But certainly Benjamin, you know, there's going to be times where he's, he is high up the pitch. Maybe with Leroy Sand doesn't have to be, uh, but 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 just being selective in in how and when. I think as the, as the games progress and you come against the better teams, both he and Pep will realise that he's going to have to be more selective when he gets forward. But you say his quality into the bo- into the box is oh, is unquestionable, and and the ball for for Gabriel Jesus, if he heads it anywhere else, he scores. And I mean, those are the the crosses that you just can't defend against. You know, a bit like a Kevin De Bruyne cross, really. So I can see why he would be up there. And to be honest with you, in the scheme of things, I probably suggest with him being out as well and just coming back and hardly playing any football in the World Cup, he's come back absolutely flying, and he'd get my vote. Fair enough. Uh, now, obviously, City only got the point in that game and Liverpool won, and most people regard, and I, I believe that Liverpool will be City's main contenders this season. Is, is there a worry at all? That, I know it's only two points, I know it's only three matches into the season, but is there any worry that, you know, that they if they carry on winning, that there becomes a bit of pressure on City and that the whole dynamic's different than it was last year? Because if you remember last season... Two games in, the Everton draw, and then 18, I think it was, successive victories. Have City got to go on an 18-win uh, sequence now to, to to keep Liverpool at bay? I think that's how we want it. And we want it to be to, to be tighter this season. We want it to be really challenged and, and, and to see how our team deals with that pressure. Obviously, missing Kevin De Bruyne, I don't care what anyone says, no team have got two Kevin De Bruyne's in the side, as I haven't got two Mo Salas. So you're going to miss Kevin. So it's how you manage that situation. But absolutely right, you've got to then think, OK, if we don't get a result in the next game, two points become five points potentially. All of a sudden, there's a little gap appearing. But I don't believe Pep's concerned about that. And, and all of our players you know, are so determined and, and are so focused on, on the next game, that especially at home that I don't see that being an issue. But now there's a different expectation in Liverpool, which they're not used to. I mean, Stuart Pearce did, did, a, did a piece to, uh, I think it was in the, in the paper, whatever, saying that he believes they're, they're now favourites because they've got the eye of the tiger. I mean, whatever that means. You know, obviously City now are, are chomping at the bit. Every single game they want to play, there's that hunger, that, that desire. They want to, 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 to beat next year's record and, and win more trophies. So that hunger is, is equal if not more apparent, because everyone's saying doing it back-to-back titles, you know, it hasn't been done, you can't do it, Champions League, you're never going to be seen as a world-class side until you achieve that. And these players, they want to win, they want to be the best. They listen to the to the uh, the piece that uh, Riyad Mahrez did on All the Nothing. You know, he's come here to, to make us better and to win trophies. He wants to be the best of the best. And so there is that pressure. It's pressure which I think will galvanise our squad even more and we'll properly test them. Obviously, the game in November, the game in January, we're going to see where we're at. And they have a top, top side. They've got a better defence now. Obviously, got a strong goalkeeper. That confidence and competence at the back there. And we know that going forward, they've got, they've got that pace. But think back to the game at the Etihad. And for that, there was 35, 40 minutes in that first half. We absolutely tore them apart. And again, down to finishing. That's something else which is going to be key for us this season, Ian, is Gabriel Jesus you know, adding more to his goal tally. Now, Raheem Sterling scored how many goals last season and he, he's got to get at least double figures. But who else is going to be that man? 
You know, uh, we've got players in the side now that we know can score goals, but that's the key to a champions, a champions uh, winning team is that you, you can't rely on one or two people. It's got to be across the whole piece. Brad Silva, Benjamin Mendy, Leroy Sane, all these players add into that goal tally. So it's exciting. It's going to be fascinating to see how it pans out. But I always come back to it. When, we, when you play the Pep way, you know, and you dance to Pep's tune, we create more chances inevitably in every single game. So there's going to be responsibility on players to score goals, but that's why they're in this team, because you want to be the best. You want to be the, you want to be the main man. You want to be the hero. It was mentioned with Gary Neville with the free kick against the Wolves at the weekend, last kick of the game. Who's going to be the hero? That's the attitude of our team. Everyone wants to win and everyone wants to be that hero. Absolutely. Now, over the weekend, I actually saw City three City fixtures on three separate days. The, the EDS played in the main stadium on the Friday night, drew one all. Then it was the one-one down at Wolves. Obviously, that was that was the same scoreline. And then on Sunday, the City women played against Leicester in the Continental Cup and won four nil. Three games in four day, uh, Sorry, three games in three days. And to add to that, it was Citizens Sunday. The, the first team came down and trained on the CFA pitch. My lad went down, got a few autographs. Obviously, you can't legislate. For, well, <laughs> we're in Manchester, as the old cliche goes, but, you, but it unfortunately rained, which put a bit of a dampener on things. But a lot of City fans came up to me again and said, well, which other club would do this? And I thought, well, if you're a football fan and you're an obsessed City fan like I am, blimey, three games in three days, including Citizen Sunday, how does it get any better than that, apart from winning all three games? <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't. And like you say, again, it's about that chance to, to, to connect with the fans, you know, with, the, with our first team, with the manager. You know, and again, it, it was a shame that the weekend was, was sport because of the weather. But you're absolutely right, you know, there's not many clubs that make the effort, you know. And, and again, you know, it, it's reinforcing the key messages of how important the fans are and how they, they, they are recognised. When you watch Old Nothing, you see how many times the players and the manager are singing the City songs. I mean, that's a proper connection there. It's great to see and I'm sure that will continue, you know. And again, it's not contrived. It feels like it's a genuine willingness to do that because they recognise the importance of that connection between the fans, the community, you know, the environment and obviously the first team. And I know you were you couldn't get it down on Sunday to the citizens of Sunday because you were doing another job. You were you were a host of one of the stadium tours as a Yeah, the Legends legend. tours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So within myself, you've been Joe Corrigan, there's been um Tommy Booth, Peter Barnes and uh, Jeff Willett's done one as well. So it's just nice to be invited, nice to be involved, nice to be recognised now and again, mate. Yeah, the old ego gets a bit of a tweak and it's a <laughs> massage. It's quite nice. I used to do one or two of those tours. They haven't asked me recently, but I'm here if they want me. Uh, but they, they're lovely to do. And obviously there's a new type of extended tour now, which it takes in the CFA and all sorts of other things. So you get to see stuff and, you know, I, to me as a fan... You know, it's just a dream to be able to meet a legend and to to, to see see behind the scenes. I mean, everybody gets the chance to do that, do they? Yeah, well, exactly, mate. And also, you, you get to see obviously from the from the show or nothing. You can uh, um, the Amazon Prime series. You can see behind the scenes. But when you actually go into the changing rooms and even the, in the central area where it's where it's it's magnified, the actual volume's magnified, so it, f it feels like you've got a hidden microphone in there, which you probably hear to the likes. So, but seeing how the players are set up, seeing where they get changed every game and seeing how how clever they are in putting Bernardo um Brahim Diaz, Phil Foden next to David Silva. You know, watching every move he makes, almost like stalking him to see how he prepares, how he deals with success 
and you know adversity it's just really really interesting the insight you get is second to none obviously you see the uh, um the uh, the chamber where Vinny goes in and obviously it's minus 140 you know the different ways that teams prepare what they do what they don't do you know the likes and dislikes it just gets a real insight you know that layer beneath the surface where you get a real understanding of what they're what they're going through day to day walk a mile in someone's shoes well it'd be nice to try but you get a real sense of it and I think that combined with the legends tours the fact that we do all these open days is another reason why City is unique I mean, obviously, you've had a, a, an insight which I haven't had. I've walked in the dressing room. I've not seen the new dressing room. Oh, no, I have. I have seen the, the new circular dressing room at the academy. I've not seen it in the stadium, uh, but I've seen it in the academy. You have got dressed in those dressing rooms, and I suppose the sort of really dumbed-down Carl Pilkington way of looking at it would be, it's just a dressing room. What difference does it make? Does it make a difference? Because you must have been in you know, some, some really horrible sort <laughs> of... <laughs> well, you're laughing yeah. already, you know, dressing rooms. And then you've got this circular one. Does it? What difference does it make to a player, that? Well, I think first and foremost, it, it's that that, um, that sense of being settled in an environment, being used to an environment. Because when you're going out there, you're going out to to, to, to not just our fan base, but potentially to, to billions of people, you know, obviously with Sky TV or the rest of it. You know, that pre that preparation has got to be just right. You know, everyone's got their little idiosyncrasies, that type of thing, you know, and every player has to prepare, you know, in in the right way for them to be able to undertake what they're going to undertake. So the environment's got to be key, you know, obviously. So so the fact that it's bright, for example, yeah. and, it, and it's circular, and mm -hmm. so you're looking at all your teammates all the time, does that make a difference? It does, it does because you're, you're, obviously you're, you're, you're catching the eye of all of your teammates, uh, but it's, it's as much for the manager, you know, the fact that you're seeing everybody. I remember back in the day at Main Road, obviously if you're stuck in the corners, then you're having to talk and keep looking at four or five people all the time if you do do that. And as a player, you could hide as well. Well, you, you? you couldn't, especially, <laughs> I mean, and, and as well, it's human nature. If someone's listening to you, they look at him even more. So if you can be completely blank, you're blanking the manager, they're not going to look at you. I was going to demand that you look at him because he's having a go at you. But at the same time, you know, they, it, it was different. But but all of that, the fact that there was the uh, the the, pe the sort of preparation area, the warm up areas, which has got all the individual bits and pieces which you'd need. Now you might say it's a bit fluffy and over the top because when you go away from home, you don't get that. But that preparation then is in the in the hotel. It's beforehand. We've got lots of staff, and the st I said to you, some of the medical staff will know the players' bodies better than their own wives will. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's that attention to detail, especially with players like Vincent Company have got long-standing, old, chronic injuries that are being managed all the time. You know, so it's massively important that the, the environment tenders for everything that the players can possibly need so that when they go out, go out there, they're as near to 100% as they're ever going to be. And then they can be at their best to undertake the plans that Pep sets out for them. Because, mate, back in the day, I don't remember any game where I was 100% fit any game none of us were you know it's always some niggle or some bruised rib or swollen ankle or bad back that you had to mask in some way shape or form these guys today they looked after as lots of other clubs are but the environment creates that 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 assurance for the players that they're going to leave no stone unturned to when they get out there to be at their absolute best go on what's the worst dressing room you've ever been in <sighs> there's been quite a few actually um and I think the looking back, the best one was hybrid because of the heated floors and all that, which was quite unique. Mm. But probably I'd say um, the worst one back in the day would would probably have been the likes of say um, not not Wolves, 
but at whole city places like that so much so there's certain away at the old ground both yeah yeah. Present, yeah some some changing rooms you go into in and you wouldn't be able to fit the medical bed you have to take a portable bed with you because there wasn't a bed there or if it was there it was all ripped up and manky so you take a portable bed with you and it had to go in the corridor outside because it wasn't enough room to get changed in there and to have strappings massages anything at all so it wasn't a big deal because you just got on with it. But, you know, comparing that to the change rooms you see today, even the away changing rooms in some of the clubs, I mean, even on the on the show, we don't know whether you saw the game at Bristol City, but the away changing room was superb. I mean, that's just unheard of. The whole point is make it as horrible as possible, as unpleasant as possible, to make them not want to be there longer than they have to be so they lose focus and you can turn them over. Only ever played one game, sort of, in a proper ground, and that was at Boundary Park. It was David Ayres' testimonial, right. and I was in the away dressing room, and my manager was David Moyes, would you believe? Wow. And I've got to say, the away dressing room at Boundary Park, which you must have been in, yeah. this narrow little thing where, where there was hardly any room in the middle, that felt pretty bad. Well, the, well, the away and changing room at uh, Chelsea was in L-shape, and Mourinho used to always get asked, why is it in L-shape? He says, L for losers. Quite clever, that, isn't it? <laughs> well, he should know. Right, let's. Uh, we'll be back straight after this with Keith Curl. This is the Manchester Football Social Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman. Yeah, this is Forever Blue. The Wednesday clubs tomorrow. As we, uh, we, we, you, you heard a little jingle for the Wednesday club, and if you're thinking, what is the Wednesday club? Well, there's there's a guy called Joe who just gets in the way, really, of me and the United Comedian who's here. Two United Comedians, uh, the alternate, Steve Shenyaski, and tomorrow it's going to be Mr Alex Boardman. And I'm looking forward to that tomorrow, because um, obviously it wasn't a good day for United yesterday, Paul, was it? Well, I wasn't. There was, there's lots of contentious issues to discuss, isn't there, Ian? So I think in your inevitable way you'll be able to do that. You'll be able to approach things in a in a calm and hum, and humbly mannered you know, you ma way so that you can just uh, get a bit of a... have the crap with them. But I, I was going to say to you, you know, it, it's funny when how United fans have reacted to certain things and the fact that it was on Five Live this morning, nine o'clock debate was all about Mourinho. So it just shows you how people have run with it now. So it feels like... There's only going to be one end to this, and, and it, I don't think it's an end well for Mourinho. Yeah, well, that's for another day. That's, it is. That's uh, tomorrow. Right, uh, joining us next is uh, is another former City player, Mr Keith Curl, came from Wimbledon, went on to Wolves. You were at Wolves as well. City played Wolves at the weekend, so who were you rooting for at the weekend, Keith? Um, to be honest, I've got to say Man City. Good. We like to hear that. Mind you, if, if I was on the uh, local radio, Wolves, I'd probably say Wolves as well. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, obviously, I saw you down at the Citizens Sunday, and yeah. I know you've been in management, so you were there uh, at the moment unemployed. I assume you're not. You're not. You're back in a job now, in, Keith. In, aren't you? In, in between jobs. In between jobs. That's Looking, a better way of putting that's, it, that's Curly. Yeah. Great way to yeah, put it. Yeah. Just sound a little bit better. <laughs> I'm in between. In between putting up a stairgate for me. Uh, uh, for my granddaughter uh, and decorating me and my girlfriend's house. I know so the feeling. I, jobs as well. I was roped into a lot of work at home today as well, so I'm glad to be here to get away from that. Um, anyway, Keith, you obviously, as a, as a former manager and hopefully a soon-to-be manager again, would will be looking at a, an open training session like you were. And and trying to take something from that. What what can you learn? And this is it's a serious question, really, because obviously you're managing at the moment. I've been managing at a lower level. Can you take what you see from Pep and what he does with the elite players into a lower level of football as a mo as a manager? Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. I think, but not so much like the content of the, the, tra- the training session. I think the, the first and foremost is uh, their interaction between the football the footballing department at the football club and the uh, the paying public, the supporters, the fans. That that interaction and that being able to get that contact time is invaluable. Something that I'm, I'm proud to say we did very well uh, up at Carlisle. We had, we had the open days, we had the fun days, we had the school attendances. Um, the football club was a massive part of the local community, and we, we all had a response. Responsibility and me being the manager leading the footballing department, we were always active uh, in our local community. Probably even more so because of the the, the disaster we had with the floods and everything like that, uh, up, up in Carlisle. Uh, and the football play, football club played a massive part of the um, of the the region. Uh, well, the, the re-coming together of the local community we played a massive part of the players going out helping as and when we could do and, and where we could do when the the, the 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 services allowed us to go in, into the properties and help the people that needed the physical manpower to, to move out uh, a lot of the equipment and a lot of furniture and a lot of uh, their belongings out of the uh, the floods and so yeah, there was a responsibility that we played in that part but it was nice to be able to go down to Man City on Sunday and but nice to be invited down first of all that, uh, and part of the remit on the on the email said, so look, they're, they're trying to embed uh, and embrace uh, past uh, and players from the future to show that they do care about uh, the future, uh, the past of Manchester City. Well, it's good to hear that, that they're saying that to you as well, because we get that vibe all the time. But it's great to to see that you're being included in all that, and and uh, and you are part of the the City family, whether you like it or not, Keith, aren't you? Uh, just on that, like it or not, I'm very proud of it. Uh, probably, um, it, it was nice to see a lot of uh, a lot of supporters there uh, from my generation, from when I was there. There's still a few people chatting, uh, oi curly whirly, but oi curly whirly. So, um, so no, again, it's, it's, sometimes you do that. You get the new generation, uh, the younger players. Everything like, who's that curly whirly? What are you on about? Um, but you know, some, some of their dads and some of their granddads uh, enjoy watching us play. To be fair, apart from a few grey hairs, maybe you look as if you're fit enough to play. Look exactly like you did in your playing day, Keith. <laughs> well, I've got to say that's stress of management. But Curly, you know, actually, you talk about being fit. I can recall when I was rehabbing one of my many days on my own rehabbing, but I was doing a run at Platte Lane. They called it a 12-minute run. And you came and joined in with me and did it with me. Then you went to training and I did a full training session. And I was I was blown out my backside and you carried on. But you don't forget those moments, mate, because I was on my own. I was really fed up. And you came and did it with me. I thought it was a really nice touch, that, mate. As a captain, that was really nice of you, that, mate. Again, I'm probably one of my biggest disappointments is ball. I never really got to got to play with you. I had a couple of training sessions in in between your, your rehabilitation. Uh, and again, I've, uh, I'd heard all the rumours and the the amount of people that spoke so highly of you and so glowing, not only about uh, your ability but your attitude towards your injury that you had and your determination to get back. So, and that's when I first walked in the football door. Wait until you see Paul Lake play. Wait until you see Lakey on the pitch. And it's one of those I couldn't wait. I think it's probably one of the one of the downsides was. Uh, I wasn't able to help enough in aiding your recovery to get you anywhere near the fitness that you, that you needed uh, to be back, back playing how you wanted to play. No, that's very kind of you, very kind of you. And, and, and Curly, we were talking about, you know, obviously your time at City and the legacy that you left. Obviously, you've left a legacy for the next centre-backs and, and obviously you were more of a, in my opinion, uh, playing out from the back as well. That would have suited you more than certain players. But who, who was your favourite central pairing? Who did you like playing alongside? 
it's strange uh, because I, well, when I first went there, it was Steve Redman and Colin Hendry uh, were, were the two centre backs uh, in place. Uh, and I've got to say, uh, and Colin Hendry went on to have a fantastic career playing uh, up in Scotland, Blackburn, winning, winning the title with Blackburn and everything. But uh, footballing wise, I clicked with Steve Redmond. The lad, I think he went on to Oldham. Um, I think he spent a year, about half a year, a year and a half there. But I had an understanding with, uh, with Redders uh, that was we complemented each other very well. We could both handle the football. We were both reliable, consistent, dependable defenders. Whereas I think uh, at the time, Colin was a little bit more. Uh, he would make a decision and he would back himself and he would go and he, he would go and commit. Which uh, on its day, excellent when it came off. When it didn't come off, uh, we were left stranded at times. So uh, I liked playing with Steve Redmond. I, I enjoyed playing with um, Michael Honk as well. He came in. I think he was an ex centre back parent. Michael Vonk came in and he's, uh, he was one of those. He did all the he did all the ugly side. He would uh, he did all the heading, all the tackling, uh, and left me to do all the pretty stuff. <laughs> but, but I think we were uh, we were both built. I was built to do the pretty stuff, and I think Vonk was do, was built to do the ugly stuff. Yeah, well, it's funny you know you talk about Vonk because, like you say, he was he, he was hard as nails. But it, for a guy that was six foot three, he had size seven feet. I've never seen anything like it. I was going to fall over. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you didn't use his feet much, did he? Not really, no, no, you're absolutely right. But also, Curly, in terms of your, your development into management, how, how did you, I mean, look at managers like, for instance, Peter Reid, you know, what did you pick up from Reedy in terms of his management style? Again, uh, Peter was one of the. Uh, well, when Peter bought me, he bought, paid a lot of money for me. So I'm thinking, well, uh, he was player manager at the time when I came into the football club. Uh, obviously, his reputation has gone before him. And I've got to say, his personality uh, as a manager was exactly the same as what it was uh, as a player. Uh, fair, aggressive, uh, honest to a degree, but would, would bend the lines as much as he could do. But he liked good players, and he liked good players uh, in and around him as well. And again, it was a completely, completely different environment that I came into when I came from Wimbledon. That every game for us, we had to be on on top of our game. Uh, the information, the detail that we have, we had Don Howe, who was the, the England assistant at the time, and Bobby Gould, and you know, the size of Wimbledon, and we were competing uh, then. Uh, in the first division or, or as the Premier League is, is now and I think the first the first year I went to Wimbledon we finished the top London club so above the, you know, your Tottenham your Chelsea's your Arsenal we fin- little Wimbledon finished above them and that was purely down to detail and our style of play that we implemented and we affected the opposition that we played against and then I came to came to Man City completely different contrast Peter knew he had good players he'd give us a structure and a platform um, to play from but then he wanted us to go out and express ourselves uh, and again I think that was the, the the side of it that I enjoyed and probably the side that I've taken into management and into, into coaching um, I'm very big on uh, the structure in possession out of possession but I've got a massive highlight on I want players to go out with that freedom to express themselves but knowing out of possession be in position Obviously, the game's evolved even since you played, Keith, to, to what it is now. But one of the things that, one of the assets I felt, as Lakey's already said, you were a footballing centre back, that I think would stand you in good stead today was your speed. I mean, was that natural from you? Did you, did you train as a sprinter over a short distance? Because you were electric, weren't you? Well, I nearly went into athletics when I was, uh, I think I was 16 and I got released. Uh, by Bristol City, they said uh, that I wasn't, uh, in their opinion, not going to be good enough to make it in the professional ranks. So they didn't offer me an apprenticeship. 
Um, and then I went for a trial at Bristol Rovers. They offered me an apprenticeship within a year of playing league football. And then I came, and then I was one of the one of the lucky stories that a player that came again and went on to to represent uh, represent his country and play at the highest level in the, in the Premier League. Um, but if I hadn't have made it, uh, I was going to go into into athletics. I've been a sprinter. I've done very well at 100, 200, uh, and also cross country running. Um, so again, would I have been up there as an elite athlete in the top? No, I wouldn't have. Uh, but I would have. I would have improved. And I would have got better. But I don't think I would have made the. Uh, uh, I don't think I would have gone on to represent my country at athletics. Um, but so now I did determination that uh, I use me me speed. Run, but bear in mind, a lot of people don't know when I started out. I started out as a right winger. Uh, and then I, very quickly I found out you play right wing and you're quick. Everybody wants to kick ten bales out of you. <laughs> yeah. So and I, and I, I, I must admit I enjoyed kicking people more than I enjoyed being kicked. So I had to transition. Terry Cooper, the old uh, England left back, he converted me um, to, to a centre back, well, a full back at first, and then a centre back. But and, and that was born out of because in training I got fed up of being kicked by by people like uh, Tony Pulis, who was the um, it was one of the uh, one of the first and second year pros uh, when I was at Bristol Rovers. Imagine going into training every day, getting kicked by Tony Pulis and Phil Bater and people like that. I thought, no, nah, not for me this. Um, <laughs> so then, in tra- even in training, I used to play at the back. Then, first game of the season, the centre back was uh, suspended, and Terry Keeper told me that, that at the end of pre-season, you know, you're starting the season and you're going to start at centre back. Uh, and it's one of those. Um, it was the right place for you, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, Keith. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, you'd know Terry Phelan as well, who came from Wimbledon, and he was quick too. He was rapid, but as a fullback, I suppose he'd get kicked more than you would, wouldn't he? Uh, again, people used to say that people used to think that Phelan was quicker than me, um, but he wasn't. But it was because Phelan was always on the wing, and so like, it's easier to watch uh, to, to monitor somebody's speed when they're going up and down the wing rather than is going from from the middle of the pitch out. And people did, so, but no, I, I love playing with Terry Phelan because you know, he could find that extra yard, and likewise, then he could cheat a little bit at times by nicking an extra yard, knowing that he could get back in. But we had a relationship; we played together for three years uh, at Wimbledon. We had a good understanding. And I think both of us came there, came to Man City, and we, we couldn't believe the freedom that we were given to go and express ourselves. We were at Wimbledon. Uh, I remember my first, one of my first training sessions at Wimbledon. So I got the ball, uh, something. I took the ball off the centre forward. I rolled it in the midfield into into Laurie Sanchez. And he booted the ball over my head, over the goal, and out of play. I said, well, what did you do that for? He said, because that's what I do on a Saturday if you, if you give me the ball. Wow. I said, I don't want it there. And it was one of those, a very, a very quick learning game. But that's how we played. We put the ball in areas, and everybody knew. So, like, the two like, probably big six centers, say from right back to left winger, everybody in between that knew where, where they had to be and where each other had to be and where the ball was going at any given time. And that's how we got success. Because we couldn't go to Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, Man City. We couldn't go there and say, we're going, let's have a game of football. Because we we weren't good enough at it. So what we did have, we had a plan, and we said we're going to we're going to spoil the game for you. But in mind, this is when you could pass the ball back to the goalkeeper. You could pick it up, roll it out. You can roll it back. So we used to go one nil up, and then we we spoiled the game for about seventy minutes. But it was effective, and we enjoyed it. That's what teams do against City. Now, final question to you, Keith. Brilliant, brilliant to, to have you on with us tonight. So right, okay, it's it's now it's twenty eighteen. And imagine if Pep Guardiola walked in right now, sat where Paul's sitting, and he said, right, Keith, uh, you can ask me any question in the world. Go on, what's your question? Where do I sign? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a great answer. You can't really beat that, can you? You can't beat that, no. no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it'd, it'd be interesting to see. Like, so, um, imagine Pep Guardiola now. Uh, Pep, Pep, imagine Pep walking into Carlisle. They're four points adrift. They've won one game in 23. Uh, the, and there's one of those, yeah, Pep. is 17 players. Three of, three, three of them that are injured. You've got one suspended for the weekend. Uh, and, and the plan is we need to stay up this year. And there's one of those, oh, by the way, you haven't got training ground. You think he and could do he, it? He's got a love of football. Um, so, yes, would, would he, how quickly would he be able to learn? Um, that you, know, you can't go rolling the ball. Even though I was quite lucky because the pitch that we had at Carlisle was absolutely phenomenal. So I could we, we could play. But first and foremost, um, it wasn't about going out and coaching with, with my philosophy philosophy of how I wanted. To, I needed to go out and I needed to win games of football very very quickly. I think we won five out of the first eight. And let me tell you, we played back to front football. We played percentage football, and I kept the ball away from my goal as much as possible. But within uh, a year, eighteen months, I was able to bring in better players, develop a philosophy, and then we got a reputation of being a team. We wanted to play out. We wanted to play through the lines. We, we wanted to play penetrative passes, uh, and we got I attracted better players. Uh, and we, we built ourselves a reputation of being a team that if you let us play, we could cause you problems. But then, likewise, on the other side of it. The pleasing thing was, if we needed to go toe to toe with the team, we could do it as well, and, and, and that's the second division. And again, I was, I was lucky; I was given enough time to be able to implement that, and we were successful by staying up. Then I think we had two top ten finishes and a playoff finish within three years. So that, that was the, the deemed success. Could Pep go in there and get the same results with with, with no money, by the way? Mm. Well, let's hope you're back in football soon, Curly Whirly. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Curly. Take care, man. Keith Curl joining us on Forever Blue. Wow, what a great guest. Yeah, insight. That's what we want. We want an insight into what it's like. And obviously Paul Simpson, ex-City player at Carlisle United as well. Must be not the graveyard of managers at (laughs) at Carlisle, but certainly it's fostering fostering great talent, mate. One of the first defeats I saw City have was back in the early 70s at home to Carlisle on a Wednesday night. And they went down that year, Carlisle. Right, listen, let's see if John Macken can follow Keith Curl because he's after this. Excess Manchester. This is the Manchester Football Social, the Wednesday Club. So, welcome to the Wednesday Club. No, sorry, Forever Blue. Wednesday Club's tomorrow, isn't it? Where do you get the staff these days? Eh? This is Excess Manchester 106.1 FM. Uh, and, of course, every weekday it is the football social, different things on different nights. Tonight it's Forever Blue. That's the main thing. Me and Paul Lake, Talking City. We just heard from Keith Curl. Fantastic to, to hear Keith. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah, very interesting. And, obviously, he's, he's had quite a few jobs in management and, uh, obviously, his unique style. And something else about which we didn't even mention, really, was the fact that there aren't enough black coaches in yeah. the game. And obviously Curly, you know, was, was 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 one of those individuals. But, you know, it was all about, you know, his technical ability. You know, he was a good player, he's a good manager, and I'm sure he'll get a job sooner or later again. So John Macken's got to follow that now, hasn't he? Former City striker John Macken, who's now a manager in his own right as well. Oh, right. Uh, in, my, in the old neck of the woods where I grew up, because I grew up in Radcliffe, and that's, that's where you are these days, John, isn't it? It is, yeah. Good evening. You all right? I'm not bad, thank you. Not bad at all. Is Bernard Manning still around at Radcliffe Borough? Well, it's not Radcliffe Borough anymore, is it? Junior. Yeah, Junior, I yeah, meant. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's FC now. We changed it this year. It came about this year that it's uh, Radcliffe FC now. Yeah. Well, I used and, to live uh, on Church so, yes, Road, not far away. 
Yeah, he's uh, well. Bird is still around as well. Yeah, he's still around. He's obviously he's always at the games, and he, he has a big input in the club. You know, and the direction that the club wants to go. Now you were down at the City Open Day on Sunday as well. What did you learn from it? What did you, what did you think of it? I thought it was really good. The weather was terrible, <laughs> but yeah. it was uh, it was it was good. It was a good setup. It was good to see uh, you know the interaction with the fans uh, and the players, and you know to see a training session. It's always intriguing to see that, and uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. Well, it was a, a day when you, as a manager, could wop, watch Pep close at hand. Can can you learn something from from a day like that? You can. I think you learn little things, little snippets. I mean, for me personally, what I took out of it, it was his presence. You know, I mean, we can all see him the way he acts uh, on match days and the intensity he, he has on the on the touchline. But I think he was very. You know, obviously there was the crowd there it was a training day, but he was very calm and you know he was just passing the balls and he was watching he was very focused on you know individual players and how he wanted the session to go he didn't he didn't look as though he had a massive input but like i say you know it's his charisma it's his presence on the side of the pitch that makes a a, a big difference well john you know it's funny you say that because I, I was just thinking that, uh, on a similar line to that obviously now you're you're a, a, a manager you, you are coaching a group of men inspiring them to be the best that they can be. Do you, do you often relate, say, for instance, the City players? Do, do you relate? And it's not a case of massaging players' egos, but certainly in terms of getting the best out of them. Do you, in their, in their good moments, relate them to the likes of Aguero and Kevin De Bruyne and Vincent Company? Is that how you work? Well, you've got to. I mean, I'm big, I'm big on motivation, you know, and trying to get the best out of them and the psychology of the game and so forth, because I believe that... With individuals, you, they're all different characters. They're, they've all got different temperaments, and you, you have got to treat different players differently at different times. Uh, as a group mentality, as a team mentality, you know we all know it's, it's a team game, uh, and we need the team to perform as one. But there are individuals within that team that you you need to put an arm around sometimes. Some that, that you need to raise your voice once or twice to them on the pitch to get them motivated. Uh, and you know I, I find that when you when you are quiet sometimes on the sideline the lads are looking for you to have an impact or have a say uh, and other times you know they like that they, they just go out and, and thrive and, and push on with their with really how they and their performance I see and, and obviously in terms of I don't know whether you've actually seen All or Nothing yet on Amazon Prime but lots of us have been glued to it to be fair and, and when you see Pep's mannerisms, you know, is how he expresses yeah. himself. You know, and he can be quite intimidating from de demanding silence to that kind of almost love and affection he shows players. I mean, do, do, do you pick up those kind of things as well from his style of management? You do. And, and that's like I said, you know, that's charisma. That's what charisma's about. That's kind of having, you know, a presence when you're... When you're not around there, uh, when you 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 know you you're just walking out to training as the lads are doing the warm up, the lads still know that you you're there, you've got your presence there. And as soon as you walk out, the intensity will rise. I mean, it was a big thing for me that I mentioned that I picked up on uh, during the training session, the first part of the training session. They did kind of a, a possession based uh, like box so forth and he was the one who passed the balls in. you know if there was a tackle or the ball got kicked out he was the one who passed the balls in all the time meaning it was his decision who retained the ball retained possession there was no arguing there was no moaning and I picked up on that as being well that's the presence of Pep the way he does it and the way he tries to train and then let's just get on with it you know there's no criticizing no moaning which we all know happens sometimes in training sessions <laughs> Now, Pep was a great player, of course, himself, and he had to make that transition, and he went through 
the Mestalla, as they call it, at Barcelona, the sort of academy, really. And and now you see him as this manager. And obviously with the thing that Lake is talking about, the, you know, the, the programme, you get an insight to what he's like in the dressing room. You, you as, a, as a striker, um, and, uh, you know, I suppose as a player, you, correct me if I'm wrong, Strikers tend to have to be a bit more selfish in the way that they think. Is it has it been harder for you to make that transition um, that Pep's made from being a player and thinking like a player to doing all the things that you you're you're looking at, at Pep for and trying to do yourself? Yeah, I think it, I think it's always difficult uh, at first to do the transition, you know, from being a player to the coaching side of it, the managerial side of it, because you you know you still want to get on and you still want to really perform so to speak but it's it's something that I've always uh, I've wanted to do the back end of my career anyway going to management more so than the coaching side of it the managerial side of it because I believe this, I believe it's different I believe it's you know there's two different things entirely a coach and a manager you know the two different things and you, it's very difficult to really connect the two or have the two and be the two Pep is fantastic at it you know he, he, he's been a breath of fresh air I suppose in the coaching aspect of it for a young coach like myself and other ones that I've spoken to who look at him and we see the way he does things and he's totally gone away from what was the norm to bring in a different type of football a different type of uh, training a different type of intensity into training which is fantastic you know but once again I believe everybody's got to have their own their own style and be able to adapt their own system or their own style of training methods into what they've got and, and the, the level of where they're managing or coaching at, at, that, at that time but whatever you do as a manager, John, it can never surely beat the sheer exhilaration of scoring that fourth goal down at White Hart Lane in that uh, comeback game to win 4-3 in the FA Cup, can it? Well, hopefully I'll reach them levels there. You know, I'll be I'll be getting moments like that again, you know, because that's, once again, that's the, the ambition. You know, you want to get as high as you can, as far as you can uh, in, in my coaching uh, journey or my managerial journey. And, you know, hopefully I'll get moments like that again and hopefully you'll be ringing me in a couple of years and I'll be able to give you the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you get it for your sake, John, because that was one of the happiest memories, honestly, that I have as a City fan. I will never forget that moment on that day. There are, there are Lots of moments that are singled out. Obviously, Aguero and down at Wembley in the uh, the playoff final, and everything. But John Macken scoring that header at Tottenham is still right there at near the top of my list. Yeah, superb. <laughs> yeah, it was a great game. It was a, it was one of those games that, like I say about you know people say what's it, you know what does it take to be a footballer? What is it like being a footballer? That's that's basically the pinnacle of being a footballer, making moments and creating moments like that. You know that people remember and. You know, they, 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 they keep at there and the memory bank and they, they always remind you of it and it always gets replayed, you know, and that's that's really being a footballer, making fans remember and, you know, having them moments in, in your career. Well, good luck with my, my uh, primary school uh, team because Radcliffe County Primary, where I went, round the corner from Radcliffe FC as it is now. Give my regards to Bernard and we'll speak to you again, John, and thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thanks Cheers, John. So, John Macken, bringing us to a conclusion on Forever Blue. If you just joined us and you missed half of it, it'll be downloadable as a podcast very soon, and I'll tweet out the links, and Excess Manchester will tweet out the links. And, of course, tomorrow night, it really is the Wednesday Club, when I really will be back here with Joe and Alex. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks very much to the legend, Paul Lake. Cheers, cheesy. See you next week. You will do, pal. Fantastic. And, uh, of course, between now and then, there is a little matter of City against Newcastle. Bring it on. 
can't wait for the next game. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.